0: The scripture reading today is from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 12 through 20. It is in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. I pray therefore that you may not lose heart over my sufferings for you. They are your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that According to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection.
1: Good morning everyone. My name is Paul Trudeau. I'm the co-director of City Hope which is a nonprofit that was birthed by this church. I started working here in September of 05 as an intern and my hair was a different color at that time. And I didn't need reading glasses. So I've been a part of this family. You've been my family for uh, such a long time and it's such an honor to be here with you to share hopefully what I believe will be words of encouragement. And the reason why I want to share words of encouragement with you is because I need them, <laughs> and I wanted to meditate on these words that are so encouraging from the Apostle Paul. And I want to make a confession: I often uh, get stuck in a vortex of clickbait throughout my day. It's the stupidest thing. <laughs> I click on these things of, of of that just outrage me. Do you do this? I caught myself this past week doing something really stupid. Now I'm clicking on things that are just commentary about commentary about commentary. (laughs) It's like this guy is outraged about this guy who was outraged about this guy. And then I'm busting out of my office to my staff staff telling them how outraged I am. (laughs) What a fool's errand. And the main problem with that for me in my spiritual life is because my gaze is upon it. There's always going to be something foolish to look at on the internet and be upset about. And I'm not meaning to downgrade some of the major events that have happened in this world. I'm just telling you, it's not good for my spirit to focus on these things all day long. Because what I'm not, it's because what I'm not doing, I'm not focusing on the love of Christ in my life for me and for the world. So I want to pray, but the first thing I want to tell you today is Jesus loves you. God loves you eternally. I'm done. No. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let's pray, shall we? Lord, I thank you for your love that is beyond all of our foolishness, beyond all of our troubles. Help us today to step into your light to know more fully the heights and the depth, the width, the length, the breadth, just of how much you love each one of us. And inspire us today, Lord. Encourage us today that we might run with your love to a world that aches and is so desperate for your son's love. I pray this in your name. Amen. First, a little uh, context about this verse. It comes from that which is. In Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. Um, This is a church mostly of Gentiles, so these are people that are not, you know, the children of Israel, right? They're outside, but Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing to them, and I love these passages from Paul. You know, Paul has some very heady theology, has deep theology, complex theology that we always study, but then I just love some of these moments where you just see how human he is, in regards to just how much he loves these people that he has spent, you know, three missionary journeys traveling to and serving, and he's reaching out to them through a, a love letter, if you will, to Ephesus, saying, I love you guys so much. I want you to know the love of Christ. I want you to know the fullness of God's love for you. You often see this, these blessings, these prayers, through mixed in with such a wonderful theology that he has formed the church around and is trying to teach them around. And this verse is like a booster shot of love. I, I find it incredibly encouraging when I read this to my, for myself that I might comprehend the heights and the depths of God's love. But Paul is writing this from a prison cell, which is his house. He's being guarded by a Roman soldier. He's in uh, confinement in his house. He's already been beaten. He's already been uh, in other prisons. He's already been shipwrecked. He's been through so much persecution and suffering. And yet in this verse, it's all buoyant optimism for the Ephesians to know the love of Christ to its fullness. Paul knows suffering. We have these verses from Um, 2 Corinthians where he says I'm hard pressed on every side but I'm not crushed. He says I'm perplexed but I'm not in despair. Struck down but not destroyed. Carrying around the death of Christ. Death is at work but so is life. The life of Christ. Paul always knows that resurrection is right across the bend for him. He always has this hope even though he suffered greatly. In Romans 5 he says that suffering brings about uh, perseverance Perseverance, character, and character hope. Paul has by this point been through so much to spread the love of Christ throughout his known world. And here he is, he's imprisoned in his house. And I have to be honest with you, uh, back in the day when I read this part of his suffering, I kind of took it a little lightly. You know, how bad could it be to be in prison in your house? My opinion has greatly changed <laughs> since 2020. It can be rough to be stuck in your house. And he was stuck there for two years, sending these, these letters of encouragement and love to the Ephesians. And they're buoyant and they're optimistic, optimistic, and they're filled with hope that the people that he loved would know the deep, deep love of Christ. And he wants them to know it in its heights. This is a message about about uh, the measurements of uh, God's love, which cannot be uh, fully known, but we are called to grasp for them. You know, I used to do a number of worship services in our San Francisco County Jail, and I'll never forget one worship service in which I was holding hands with a, a group of men, and it was in our uh, county jail mental ward. So everyone is suffering with some type of mental illness. And I really loved worshiping there. It was it was very difficult and very dark at moments, but at the same time, it was so disarming because you couldn't fix anyone, and you just had to pray. You couldn't even understand some of the people you were trying to talk to, what they were trying to say, but you could pray together. And so we had circled up at one point, and we were holding hands, and this one gentleman to my right started um, to, to bring up a prayer request, and it was that he was scared And he knew that he was going to be going back to an SRO, a little tiny single-room occupancy hotel. And he said, that room is infested with bedbugs, and I'm terrified. Once I get released, I'm terrified. And isn't that sad that somebody is scared about being released from our jail? And I was thinking about that, that when the guy next to him who was holding his hand just started praying. And he started praying this prayer. He said, Oh, God, dear God of Israel, all oh powerful, almighty God of Israel and Judah, come on down. Come with your power and your might and come down. And I pray that you smite every bed bug in San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, I had my eyes closed, but then I had one eye open. <laughs> it was so powerful. Because this gentleman had tapped into the power, the height the majesty, the transcendence of God. And then it went on. He said, Lord God of Israel, I pray that you give us all Harley Davidsons. (laughs) Lord, give us all Harleys that we can ride up, 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 into the sky, beyond the clouds, into the sky, beyond the moon, beyond the stars, that we can see your face, Lord. Let us ride Harleys to heaven. And I was like, whoa. It was one of the most beautiful, transcendent, mind-blowing imagery I've ever heard in a prayer. And I've prayed a lot. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've held a lot of hands. I've prayed a lot. And it was a jailbreak prayer. (laughs) And I say that because all of a sudden, you forgot you were in jail. Do you understand what I'm saying? This guy was grasping for the Lord. He was going higher than I knew we could go. With God, he was experiencing more of the fullness of God's majesty and might and transcendence. We were going up, 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 up. I was listening to the BBC last week, and um, I was listening to this segment, this podcast called "In Your Time." Anyone ever listen to that one? No. Okay, I'm the only one. <laughs> uh, they're basically reviewing a time in history or a historical figure, and it's these British. Uh, um, historians that are talking about somebody and they were talking about William Frederick Herschel and this was an astronomer that um, discovered amazing things in the stars right he didn't start off that way he was German born immigrated to England he was a musician so he was an amateur astronomer but what made him phenomenal in his field was that he was so dedicated to building his own telescopes And back then, telescopes, they were, you know, Newton-made telescopes uh, with mirrors, but these were not mirrors like we have today because we have glass on our mirrors. These were alloy metals, copper and tin put together. And copper and tin will tarnish. So if you're going to get a really good reflection, you have to polish it all the time. Polish it, polish it. And he was known to polish these lenses and get the accuracy on them so much more um, clearer than anyone had ever done before because he would polish all the time. And these, these British podcasters who were, who were... This is the part that made me laugh. He, they said he polished so much that he couldn't lift his arms to eat. So he'd still be polishing and his buddy would have to come over and like get, bring the spoon to his mouth. I just love that. I just love that imagery of like, ah, bring me my spoon, <laughs> my telescope. But... His dedication and his faithfulness to this craft helped him to discover things that he called nebulae. We would call them galaxies today. He discovered binary stars. And he, called, and he discovered a planet that no one, no one had at that time, this is um, like 18th century for the most part of his life, 18th century, had, no one had discovered a planet since antiquity. And it was the planet Uranus which is a British way to say Uranus. (laughs) And it's so much smarter, and I give that to you. (laughs) If you want to sound smart, sound British, right? And say Uranus. I was like, man, why don't we call it Uranus? It's brilliant. i you can laugh. (laughs) He, He discovered a planet because he was so dedicated at his craft at getting better clarity, to look into the night sky, to look into the darkness, and to discover more. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, do you have that passion in your life for Christ, for God, to look beyond what you can see and what is known, to find more of Christ's love in this world, in your life, in your heart? I need more of that. See, the stuff I focus on is just problematic because it's, it's, it's foolishness. <laughs> I need to be discovering something better beyond what I know and looking and seeking Christ's goodness beyond what I know and can see. The second point that I want to bring up beyond kind of going high with God and exploring the cosmic love of Christ is I, I want to talk about going deep with God too because I truly believe like we can only go as high as we are willing to go deep, deep, deep with Christ. And we have things in our hearts that hold us back from being able to explore explore more of the fullness of God's love in our life. For me, it's massive resentments. For me, it's these grudges, this self-righteousness that I keep uh, letting percolate in the depths of my heart. These places that I won't let God go. I don't let Christ go deep enough in my life. Um, Dorothy Day has a wonderful quote that I asked Jason to put up on the screen. There it is. She said, I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. One more time. I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. Oh gut punch think about that who do you love the least who who right now is your enemy in your mind who are you struggling with right now in this world maybe it's nobody maybe you're doing good maybe it's just me but i always have a grudge match somewhere in my heart i'll tell you uh, a lot of people profess to be christians but to really know if somebody's following christ are they willing to love their enemy? So you don't see a lot of that. You don't see a lot of Christians actively going out of their way to love their enemy. Because we are infected with the same kind of resentments and judgment as this world. We go out of our way to judge our enemy, don't we? But if we truly want to know the fullness of God's love, the depth of Christ's love, we got to let Christ do some work on our hearts so that we might go deep, deep down and love those people that drive us crazy, that would be our enemies. I had an enemy in high school. His name was Brian. (laughs) And he was a cool dude. (laughs) He was a really popular guy. Uh, And he chased girls and he drank beer. (laughs) And I was the opposite of that in high school. I was on a ministerial track even early on. Uh, I went to Bible study, and I was a youth group guy. And we didn't like each other. We just did not like each other at all. Because, you know, I would be talking trash about him to the girls, and he'd be talking trash about me to the girls often. We just knew we didn't like each other. But he couldn't beat me up. His friend told me that because if he got in one more fight, he'd be expelled. He was a real bad boy in our high school. But his friend said he would beat me up for him. (laughs) which was terrifying She he was much bigger than even Brian. It seemed like every Monday uh, there would be some cute girl in a class that I would, you know, be coming up to and and be, be like, saying, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, my gosh, did you hear what Brian did? He did a keg stand, and he flew through a window, and he got arrested, and he peed on a cop car. I mean, he was that kind of guy. And I remember, like, well, you know what I did last weekend? I read my Bible, and I prayed for you, and you never called, and I love you. <laughs> 25 years later, after high school, he DMs me, right? And he says, hey, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time in high school where I was behind you, I don't know if it was an assembly or class or something, he goes, and I had a lighter, he said, I, and it was weird, because I didn't smoke, but I had a lighter, and I, for some reason, I just started lighting your hair on fire. <laughs> I thought, I, I wrote him back, and I was, I was just like, wow, this is really cool, is he confessing, like, to me, that, like, he was a bad guy, or, <laughs> I wrote him back, hey, Hey, I have something to confess to. I was really self-righteous towards you. I was a real jerk to you, too. And I'm, I'm sorry. that. Did. And he, he wrote back and he said, hey, don't be so hard on yourself. I was a lot of things in high school, and none of them would be, would be referred to as good. He said that. And then we, we talked about being from a place that we both loved and being from good people. And, you know, we ended the little chat with, hey, if, I just said, hey, if you're ever in San Francisco, let's grab a beer, let's hang out. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. And on reflection, like two things come to mind when I I heard that. One, look behind you at all times. (laughs) Enemies are real, and they might be trying to burn you down. So, So some of this story is just to confirm, you know, that there are dangerous people in this world. That you must be wary of, so don't get me wrong. I'm being facetious, but, but truly, there are people in your life that are dangerous and can hurt you and, and have hurt you. So I'm not telling you, like, lo- love everyone in a very superficial, fluffy way. Um, but th- upon deeper reflection, how stupid it was to hold this grudge against this person who I grew, grew up with when I could have loved them. Because I have Christ at work in my heart if I let Christ go deep, deep into my heart. We're called, as followers of Christ, to actually go that deep to the point that we learn to love our enemies. That's deep. That's really deep. And if you ask me, that's what this world desperately needs. It needs those who can worship God and call upon God in a transcendent and mighty way, but also can be repentive and reflective and always letting Christ go deep, deep down into our souls to teach us how to love our neighbor. The other point that I want to make today is uh, just how we move with God's love outward. So if you think of the breadth, the length, how far does the love of God go out into this world? And how far do you go out with it? How far do you explore it? How far are you willing to stretch? I had this moment uh, during the pandemic, at the height of the pandemic, you know, City Hope. Um, and I, I, for those of you who don't know who I am, I, I run a nonprofit in the Tenderloin. And we feed a lot of people. We create a restaurant-style meal. We provide housing and do development work for people that are coming out of rehabs. Do a lot of wonderful things. But a lot of our day is uh, feeding people. And we we do that primarily indoors. But during the pandemic, we had to take that to the streets. And the line was around the block. And at the height of the pandemic, or the most kind of anxious time, if you recall, um, there was such a, a shortage of PPE, right? Everyone needed masks. Well, we were lucky enough to get a huge donation of masks, and so we were handing out meals and masks, meals and masks out on the street. And one day, this, this guy comes up to me, and he says, give me more masks, give me more masks. And scarcity is a, a very uh, big reality in the Tinoloy neighborhood, and so we're rationing them out, and you have to hold your ground. Uh, if you're going to do any any sense of equity with what you have for the community. So I was telling this gentleman, no, we can't give you this Mass. But he did not stop. I mean, he kept badgering me. And then it soon became aware to me that he was suffering with some type of trauma, some type of mental illness, because he was not going to stop. And he did not stop for a very long time saying, give me Mass, give me Mass, give me Mass. He said, I'll pay for Mass, I'll pay for Mass. So this was going on. We were right by the food stand that we had created. And I I, I was doing this right in front of this other guy. And this other guy was watching us. And he's smoking a cigarette. And this guy looks like Clint Eastwood. I mean, he just looks like a desperado, an urban desperado. And he's just watching us. He's just kind of, I realize he's just kind of entertained by it all. Smoking his cigarette. And then finally, this man walks away angry with mask in hand and a meal in hand, but walks away very angry at me. And then, the, then this desperado-looking guy takes a, a drag of a cigarette. He just says, you gotta love him. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was delightful. I mean, how casually he said that. And I, I, I casually just responded back to him. I said, yeah, you gotta love all of them. And then he goes, <laughs> flicks his cigarette, and he goes, Uh, that's a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) And I cannot tell you how much I have thought about that little weird moment with that dude. (laughs) He turned, walked away. I've never seen this guy again. Never seen him before. Never seen him again. But I have not forgotten what he said. He said, that's a stretch. And you know what? He's right. I was casually like, I love all of them. And it is a stretch to love your neighbor. But I, I stand by my belief that God loves all of them. So how, how, how wide is God's love? How far? What is the length of God's love, especially expressed in this world and what we see? It's wide. It goes far. But the question is, church, how Willing are you to stretch with God's love in your life? The older I get, the more rigid I get. I'm two hip surgeries in. I'm 45 years old. My least favorite part of my morning has steadily become putting on my socks. And I know there's somebody who does yoga is like, nee. You really need to stretch. You're right. But spiritually, we need to stretch every day. Brothers and sisters, we need to stretch. If we're going to fully know God's love, we need to take it to the streets. Take it into this world. Take it into our families in generous ways. And keep stretching that we might know the fullness of God's beautiful love. You know, I've seen a group Within this church, do this very well recently to stretch themselves. And it's been the youth group here. They've been volunteering at City Hope, serving our neighbors. And it's a stretch for a kid to come into the Tenderloin, it's a rough neighborhood. There's a lot going on in the room at City Hope, and I have seen the youth come in and do amazing things. So I wanted to actually have our youth pastor, Josh Jalandun, come up and share with us about what this is like for our youth, and I hope it is inspiring to you. Come on up. Yes, please. So... Josh, tell us how you have seen the students of City Church stretch their faith through this experience of serving. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I think, um, I think on a really basic level, you know, we try to teach um, our students responsibility and hard work um, through an experience by serving at City Hope. And for me as a pastor, I think, like, on a deeper level, like, um, I love just how well City Hope humanizes Poor folks, like I think you guys do that so well, and I want our students to be uh, surrounded by that um, because I think that that affects them and challenges them to to love really deeply. And so, yeah, I I think just just being immersed in that is is a stretch, and um, hopefully it challenges them too. I
1: I think it's fun too to watch kids work. I mean, it's not a lot of times that you get to see child labor. Yeah. Which is really cool. And if you're a parent... It's fun for me, too. Yeah, good. They really do become the labor. (laughs) They don't get paid, so it's not illegal. I mean, right? But (laughs) they become the waiters. They become become the cook staff. They become the waiters. They become the ones giving out the popcorn and the drinks. They are busing Mm -hmm. tables. Mm -hmm. Um, But service really is sacrifice, and it really is discipleship. How have you seen this be part of their spiritual discipleship?
2: Yeah, um, it's a little bit of like the Karate Kid effect, like Mr. Miyagi. And so like, I, hope, <laughs> I hope that it's a little bit like that in that like, as they are engaged in going through the motions of serving poor folks in our city, um, that that connects to their faith somehow. I hope that it just clicks one day And they're like, well, the reason why I remember so-and-so's name, the reason why I love them so well is because that's how God loves them. Mm.
1: Yeah. So what what has been the most meaningful part of it all, being present in service in the Tenderloin?
2: Yeah, I think you and I have talked about this before, just like how cool it is that serving um, poor folks um, is just a regular part of city church's life. like our, our students are growing up in a time where they've not known any different. and I think that that's so cool and not like in a self-congratulatory kind of way, but just that it's a very ordinary part of our rhythm um, and uh, yeah I love that. I think it's such a great opportunity that our students have here and yeah yeah I, I want to know like how we can we can invite
1: them more into that work. yeah know? so yeah I love it. I love yeah. that you bring them down. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for hey, let's give Josh a round of yeah. applause. Um, you, you know, we, we at City Hope serve a lot of people that are coming in off the streets who are, are just trying to make it through the month. And for people that live on our streets, often students and the youth are pulled away from them. And I'm, I'm just really encouraged that we as a faith community are literally pushing our kids towards People that are often isolated in our city because of their struggle and that's very humanizing uh, I can tell you from the many friends that I have that uh, attend City Church event or City Hope events over and over again they just love being around your children because it makes them feel more human more part of the community of San Francisco and so I want to thank Josh for you know, like putting in the effort of, of helping our students stretch their faith, stretch their service, stretch their hearts. And I want to share this with you, especially for, for anyone out there, you know, who maybe this is like, well, I don't have any kids. That's great, Paul. Um, but I hope it inspires you to go out of your way because you want to stretch with God's love. And what, one thing you find over and over again is that God's love is there. You just haven't been there to see it at work God's love is at work in county jail and the tenderloin and all these places maybe you were you were holding back from but as we go forward and a, as a church and stretch we'll see that God loves all of them loves all of them this city this city of San Francisco and if I can speak to us San Franciscans for just a second here it's slowly reopening And I I can't tell you, people are distressed. (laughs) I often get this question of like, what's going on with this city? You know, people are troubled about San Francisco. And there's a reason to be troubled about San Francisco. There's a lot of addiction. There's a lot of woundedness. There's a lot of filth even on our streets. And a lot of us are saying, what's going on? I'm distressed. I'm disturbed at times, but I got to say this. There's a great opportunity for the church to step up and stretch and to extend God's love to those who need it also. That's our call, but we need to know the fullness of God's love in our hearts and for this world. Once again, I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the ways in which you ignite our imagination to reach higher, to look beyond what we can see, and to believe in your majesty. May we as a people be in awe of your great love. And Lord, give us the courage that we might go deep, deep down into our hearts to find those places where we've locked you out, and may we give Jesus Christ permission to kick in the door that we might heal, that we might forgive, that we might love again. And as we do those things, may we go out into this wounded world and see you at work healing and loving. And may we humbly ask to be your hands and feet in doing so. Equip us with the power of your spirit, Lord, and help us to be agents of your mercy, your love, and your peace. Amen.